I've been really excited for the next installment of this episode or of this series. Okay. I hope you've done your research. I've done some <laughs> research. Good. I will, say, I will say that, you know, it's not uh, that um, the group of stocks you guys picked are not something that I would normally look at. So, you know, that's good. We're bringing in some diversity for uh, for maybe something that you wouldn't normally invest in either. So old dog learned some new tricks, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Not too likely, though. Yeah. So uh, as we're waiting for G, I guess uh, it's just some uh, general market stuff. Or I've actually been reading a couple books uh, on the stock market one of which is called Capital Compounders. I forget who that's by. but uh, And then I also got a book called One Up on Wall Street by Peter Lynch. Have you heard of those? either of those books? Uh, the Peter Lynch book I have read probably 20 years ago. <laughs> do you think it was do you think it's worthwhile did you like it i don't know is it a, one of those well I was, I was a, i was a fan of peter lynch um back during his heyday um i saw him many times on um the business channel well, looks like we got g here what's up dude hey can you hear me all right yep we hear you okay You're perfect uh, we were just talking about the books I was I've been reading a little bit, and my dad was telling Big Todd was talking about Peter Lynch and how he saw him on business TV. So that's just kind of where we were talking about. But are okay. you excited? Are you excited for uh, this next installment of this series? Yeah, I've been really enjoying this. It's a uh, gets me a little outside my comfort zone. Looking at uh, it's a little more uh, work than I would think it would normally be to stock pick this way, but uh. I was just telling Baisley earlier before this call that uh, I have to start finding like some more consistent methodology to picking stuff rather than just like endlessly searching, <laughs> it feels like. Right. There's like just different levels of research we got to do. And uh, it's just really, I guess, stretched our ability too as new stock pickers on what to look for. So for sure. So did you want to quickly finish up the point about Peter Lynch? Uh, dad and then we can uh, move on so I had seen him oh, sometime in the 90s on uh, one of the business channel television shows I used to watch pretty regularly uh, because I was a stay-at-home dad with a certain uh, young man who, <laughs> a, certain, uh, a certain podcast host <laughs> yeah and um, and so I had read, I had seen him on TV. He made a lot of sense. He was pretty articulate. And he was the um, fi the uh, fund manager for the Magellan Fund, which had a huge run um, from the late 80s through the 90s. And um, so you always want to listen to somebody who's been very successful at something and try to uh, emulate some of the things that they do. Um, so I did, I did read his books. I found them entertaining and um, quite logical. Um, so it, I, I always recommend his books. Um, they're just for that reason, you know. But uh, one, of, one of the things that I always ask when somebody approaches me about the stock market is I always say, you have to determine what type of investor you want to be. Are you a growth investor? Do, are you a 
um, a value investor? Are you a momentum trader? Are you a chart reader? Are you going to be comfortable with losing large amounts of money uh, on paper during the course of the day if you're buy and hold? Um, you you have to know yourself and what you are how much you can tolerate because the market will push you to the edge and you will be pulling your hair out and eventually you may have to just stop take a big breath and say does this follow my plan am i on plan do i need to make an adjustment am I overreacting to the scenario that's around me right now and then for you guys being um, in your mid 20s you have you have a whole lifetime of investing in front of you so your objectives are a little bit different than mine and so these things you have to keep in mind that sometimes these events that while they happen right now and seem really big are going to become a really small thing and something that you can learn from. And that's the thing about the market will always, always give you a learning experience. Ain't that the truth. <laughs> anyway, anyway uh, so just want to start with the disclaimer that this is not financial advice. We're not telling anybody, any individual to buy or sell any individual stock. This is merely an exercise in learning how to research stock picks and just a way for us to have fun and see if we can put together a good portfolio. Uh, so in terms of general questions, talking about the market just briefly before we get, or like portfolio building, I guess I was trying to hit on like maybe one topic before we get into our research each time and for this uh episode i was really hoping to talk about when to take profits in your portfolio like when like your company's taking off it's going to the moon leaving the rest of your portfolio in the dust what like you let it go take some profits what's your overall strategy big todd I know G was asking, we, G and I were talking about this beforehand. So. so most of the time it depends on the pick and what I'm trying to do. So for, um, for uh, an example would be, um, so, so I have a core portfolio and that portfolio is not going to change unless something drastic changes with the company. Um, a buyout, a, uh, some type of political shift in policy that forces the company to uh, abandon or remodel their uh, their core product. Um, those types of things that uh, fundamentally change the, the company. So a core holding is a core holding. Okay. Right. So that, that, that means it's going to stay in the portfolio for as long as it, it's doing what it's supposed to do when I picked it. And that is whatever it may be. If it's a dividend stock, if it's a growth stock, if it's a speculative play, that wouldn't be in the core holdings. <clears throat> so okay. how big should your core holdings be, I get, or like us? Early, yeah. mid-20s in terms of we're probably pretty small in dollar amount compared to like large funds. Like, yeah, what, uh, Sorry, would our core be smaller or you know, smaller percentage of our portfolio because we can be riskier younger whereas your core should be larger as you're older and getting close to retirement okay your core closer to retirement should be larger 
Okay, but for you guys, and and the way that I did it, that's and that's the example I'm going to use. The way that I did it is I had, I had say three or four stocks that I called my core holdings, and I may have had a very small position in them. You know, five shares, ten shares, twenty shares. Okay, and I'm and then I would have two or three shares that what I would call, you know, uh, growth shares or speculative plays. Okay. And these are stocks that I'm probably not going to hold for very long periods of time. They, they are going to, they're going to grow. They're going to reach their, they're going to grow. They're going to reach their peak where the company has to decide to, to be bought by somebody or, or their product cycle has been, taken over by another competitor or a different type of product altogether. Happens a lot in software. That type Delta of International Airport encourages healthy so, passengers. That's well, a we got Delta Airport advertisement in our yeah. <laughs> it's on the move. Got Off some the move. But a lot of times what I would do with these uh, we were gonna have to charge Delta for their product placement going on right it's now. Dulles. I'm flying out of DC. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna charge them for some product placement. <laughs> a little a little growth stock that maybe I purchased for twenty dollars and then uh, wrote it up to forty five or fifty dollars and then maybe the uh, the, uh, the the company has reached the spot where I'm ready to get out of it. I would take my profits, I would skim some of those profits off and put them in the core holding. And then I would start looking for another prop, another stock. Yeah. So in terms of core holding, ABM, the holdings ABM, you're going to perhaps like uh, monthly or like whatever your budget allows. And then like you just, or when there's a good buy opportunity in the market and you just keep accumulating these over the long course of time. Is that correct? I definitely accumulated them over the course of a long period of time. However, I was a stay-at-home dad, and we were in one-income family, so I didn't have regular deposits. So I had to grow the portfolio organically with what it was, whatever I had. Right. So it was, I was very careful not to lose money. Right. So in terms of, like, if you have a chance for regular deposits, you grow your core holdings. If not, you got to be a little bit more uh, creative in your growth. Right. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Like right now, I spend a lot more time growing my core holdings. Yeah. I and still so keep money off to the side for small companies, growths, growth stocks, um, things that I think are maybe a, maybe a trend or something that I think I can make money on in 12 months or 24 months. So the thing I read in the book recently, the Capital Compounders book, is that he has a certain number of stocks all equally weighted. And then when one takes off too much to become a little bit overweight, he takes some profits off the table to reinvest elsewhere in the portfolio is that was that guy's kind of rule. He was some money manager. And then I thought one of his sayings was really interesting that stuck with me was water your trees and plant new seeds. So like if you already have winners, it's not too bad to add to them, but also at the same time, trying to find the speculative play. So I thought that was an interesting uh, little saying he had, I guess. Yes, that's, uh, and that's what I love about 
the stock market and money managing is, is you can come up with a, a hundred. There are so many phrases that apply to sound money management that it's just, it's, 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 it's awesome. I just find it awesome. But anyways, uh, going back to the first point you made, that's called rebalancing your portfolio. And uh, with my 401k at my job, I do that all the time. I, they have set percentages on them. And when one grows too much, I skim it back to the standard percentage and distribute it amongst the ones that are behind. And that's your buy low, sell high theory. <laughs> right. That makes sense. Uh, so are you ready to, is there anything else you want to say on taking profits or do you want to jump into the picks from last week and go over the research you did and how, and your official rad life, big Todd first pick of the rad life portfolio. Well, <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. Uh, I, let's just talk about your picks. All right. So let's go first. Let's go over stuff from last week or last month about our picks that we picked or like ideas we had for you to go home and do some research. I guess talk a little bit. Uh, well, first and foremost, pick the winner. Which one gets the big Todd blessing as the first pick into the portfolio? And then we can talk about how you went about picking that one. What was wrong with the other ones? If you still like some of them. But... So, um, based on what I have here, uh, one company was uh, Progeny, Progeny uh, Amerisource Burnet, Stable Circuit, and Shopify, and Upstart. Yes. And um, so the the stock that I would pick for my portfolio, if I had, if this was my, if this was the world I was picking from. This is, yes, brand new portfolio, first one in. <laughs> no, I was going to say, well, for, for this, for the, your program, it's a brand new portfolio. Yeah. But if this, if this was my portfolio that I currently own, I probably would put Shopify in there. Shopify. All right. Is that, yeah. the, is that the first one into the Rad Life portfolio? I, you know, I, I, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I didn't like any of them. (laughs) (laughs) None of them are something that I would, that I actually would pick, but if I had to pick, I would pick Shopify. I'll take our picks were garbage, but we're learning. (laughs) No, they're just not for me. Yeah. So pick one Shopify. Got it. All right. So I'll start, but I'll start with, uh, at the top of my list here was prodigy. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, but anyways, what's uh, the ticker on that one? Do you have it readily available? PGNY. PGNY. Okay. PGNY. And this company does uh, fertility type clinics, fertility type work for people who are having difficulty uh, conceiving. I think that's their core business. They probably have a lot of other uh, satellite. Uh, businesses along those lines okay i didn't delve too deeply into it it has a reasonable pe ratio has a reasonable stock price and they are growing their earnings it's a it's a solid company i'm just not it just i just don't know what a catalyst would be to take it to a to make it become a growing a good growing company you know it's probably something that would be bought by a uh, drug company 
but I don't know. They like run clinics. I mean, it's it's a solid company. You're not gonna you you're probably not gonna lose a lot of money at all. With you probably won't lose at all with this company unless you just buy at the wrong time, buy at the wrong price. And that that's when I would use a chart to uh, look at its high price, low price, and um, pick a good entry point. But um, ladies and gentlemen, they're making money and they're doing all the right things to make money. Right, we got another Delta product placement there. I'm going to be sending them an invoice at the end of this. Uh, so, shop with Zach, these are what? Zach, these are what? Sorry. It's okay. It's, uh, it, um, at the same time, it, um <laughs> learning experience with the podcast as well as the market uh, it has a pretty good um it has a pretty good uh, short interest on it right now at about 10 percent. so i thought that was pretty good pretty fair, fairly high so you might be able to pick it up at a uh, at a little bit lower price when the shorties get control of it it has good institutional uh support in the mutual fund industry so it's not you're not going to you're not going to find it drop by twenty bucks in one night. Okay, right. it's going to be it's going to be a solid company. Okay, all right. My next uh, stock on my list was Amerisource Bergen. Um, yeah. Is a um, gosh, they're like a medical, uh, mostly drugs, pharmaceutical. Uh, yeah, they supply pharmaceuticals. Distributor. Yeah, there's a, that's a solid company. Has a nice dividend. You're not gonna. It's you're not gonna find any uh, strange up or down movements on this. Um, it, the the two biggest competitors are McKesson and Cardinal Health. Um, I do. I work at a hospital. I never see Amerisource Bergen in there, but Cardinal Health is always in there. So that's who that my system uses. Um, reasonable PE, little dividend. Uh, let's see what else there right here. Uh, very good institutional support. This is a big, almost almost mature type company. Okay, uh, lots of shares owned by BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard. All so right, it's, it's 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 a solid company. It'll probably grow, but it, I wouldn't be looking for it to jump a hundred points in a year or two. It's gonna be solid. Uh, pick a pick. A, go to the chart. Go to your charting and pick a good buy price. If you use charts, draw your lines across the top. Across the peaks and the bottoms, and uh, watch your volumes, and uh, that that probably is going to be a good a good pick, you know. But you're not; it's not going to be something that you're going to make a, a crap ton of money on in a short period of time. I would probably put it in a core holding uh, type of uh, spot. Okay, uh, it's it's big and mature, so that makes sense. But yeah, it's not overly mature like a, a Procter right. Gamble or a Johnson and Johnson or. A, you know, AT&T or something like that. Uh, next pick here was Jable Circuit. Um, it's not a stock I would own. I did own this stock at one time, oh, 25 years ago, when it was probably fairly new in the uh, market. I, always, I have an interesting story with that one, uh, but I'll tell it some other time because it's a, uh, it's a stock market lesson more than it is about the company itself. All right. Uh, reasonable PE. It's been around a long time. It's not a business I would uh, that I would want to be in because they assemble, and they assemble circuit boards. They are strictly a contractor. So if uh, uh, 
Apple wants circuit boards made for a new little gadget. They uh, Apple might design it. They might have Jable design it, but they'll, they'll Jable will get source all the parts and put them together for them, and then ship them back to them for somebody else to assemble. Um, and I, I don't see that business surviving in the United States. I can see it being in some foreign country where labor is cheaper and automation will uh, will work for it. But man, uh, yeah, not not something that I would uh, that I would invest in. It's a small company. It's a very low margin business. Sales growth is low. It says here, you know, my my note here says ten percent. It's got a PE of eleven. Yeah, it's well matched. Uh, good institutional support in the small company mutual fund world. So it's it's something that the mutual funds hold, and they're happy with it because it's not um, it's not something that's going to go away. Circuit boards are going to have to be assembled, and they're they're the guy that does it. Okay. It looks uh, like something that's done a lot in house by people who who build things device and design things all right okay uh upstart yes upstart is not a company what's wrong with upstart it's in the banking world okay in the the bank banking is what i call one of the four or five oldest businesses in the history of mankind lending money Prostitution, landlording, those are those are some of the oldest businesses in the world. Okay. You can only you can only in banking you can it's like, come on, I have money, you need money. We <laughs> I loan you money at a certain interest rate, you pay me this money back. Then I have all these rules about whether you're credit worthy and you try to do all these things to make sure that it convince me that you'll pay me back. Okay, so what Upstart does is they're trying to circumvent um, the the basic rules of finance and lending money by saying, "Oh, we're not going to use your credit score." Well, yeah, we will, but but we're not really doing this. What we're doing is is we're taking all your information, and then we're going to take this information and shop it around all these other banks and financial institutions that have money to lend. And if you can if you can trip their switches and they'll loan you money, then they'll pay me a fee for finding you. And and that's that's their business model. They get paid a fee every time they match a person who wants money with a lender. No different than a mortgage broker does. A mortgage could broker be different pay. because there could be more people willing to loan money other than the banks it's person-to-person loans as well okay but it's it's still the same they are matching a, a lender with a person who wants to borrow money and they are going to collect the fee from the lender okay, okay. and that and that lender is going to have a series of requirements that upstart is going to have is going to collect from the potential lendee and and supply it to them if if that's if if they if they if upstart isn't collecting that data all they're doing is finding a 
advertising on television, finding a pool of people, and then they take that pool of people and they shop it to all these lenders. And somebody, somebody picks it up. If somebody, somebody that lender, and they collect the fee. How many? How many of those do you think you can do? We've got another product placement in, inbound. <laughs> don't worry, guys. I'm invoicing them every time they come <laughs> over the loudspeaker. So pretty it's profitable podcast. Yes. So. <laughs> Uh, so, so well, but as well, a speculative play on a momentum play on a chart play yeah i would play the upstart game yeah but all right for those, for those reasons but as a business i would invest in no but i said the same thing about square about four years ago and look where square is so right. you know i could be wrong in that world okay yeah. but, so here let's go to my pick okay yeah yes so the pick i picked was shopify uh, and I think at the time that G posted it, it was a PE of 29. Um, I think the PE is a little bit lower now because they uh, they posted an earning, and it was uh, pretty high. The earning was 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 good. So Shopify is a business. I call them like a. Um, do you ever go to a um, antique mall where there's uh there's a building and then there's inside the building there's like 300 booths of individual sellers selling their junk right that's shopify <laughs> everybody's selling their junk everybody's selling it on shopify they've they've uh they've taken uh mom and pop businesses small businesses home businesses and they put them on shopify and then they they spend the money for advertising the, uh, the businesses pay a, a fee, you know, like a rent. And um, Shopify also handles their financial transactions, like through credit cards and everything. So there's a, there's a fee, there's revenue generated there. And then they also loan money to these businesses if they need to, like, uh, they need a large pile of money to uh, increase their inventory because their sales are going up from being on Shopify. Then they can borrow money from Shopify and that you know they uh, they can increase their inventory to increase their sales, which then makes you know their payments to Shopify bigger, and Shopify grows at the same way. So that's an internal uh, way that Shopify can grow itself. Um, uh, the downside to this is, is it was a Canadian company. I just yeah. don't like Canadian companies. Yeah. <laughs> not determine if the earnings were reported in dollars or Canadian dollars, but um, but they're making money and they're growing, but it's a wild one, you know. It's a wild one. Yeah. You know the stock price moves, you know sometimes uh, twenty dollars, sometimes a hundred dollars. So you have to be very careful and your entry point. I have no way to put a true value on this thing, um, but to me it looks like it might be kind of fun. Uh, um, to uh, to try to generate some money, you know. So you buy. Uh, I don't even remember how much the stock price was. Oh, it was seven hundred and uh, was it? Was just the other day. It was like seven hundred bucks. Went up like uh, it went up pretty big. I think on Friday on triple witching, and it was about seven hundred bucks, seven hundred and change up there. So it's a it's a mover, but it's well off its fifty two week high of seventeen hundred, which is probably in the frothy days of the. Uh, internet stock stocks 
But um, it would probably be something I would buy some shares, you know, and then um, look to sell half my position if the thing grows real. If the thing shoots up real high on no news, I would probably sell half my position and buy it back on a pullback. All right. Well, that's, ladies and gentlemen, that's the first Rad Life portfolio pick blessed by Big Todd. We'll move into the. <laughs> and that would be uh, in the speculative category, right? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> Just making sure. But, but, they, but they are a business and they are making money. So it's not truly speculative. Okay. <laughs> but it's speculative because the stock price is pretty wild. And it's, to me, I found it very hard to put a valuation on it. All right. So I guess we'll move on. Hopefully we have some better picks you like more this week. No, they're, they're, they're not bad picks. They're just not picks I would pick. Right. It's, so, it's like the gym. Got to start somewhere. Right. Yep. For, hopefully by a 12th pick, we'll have, you know, the next 100Xer in our portfolio. Because <laughs> <So, laughs> uh, we'll be so good at research. <laughs> So, well, you know, in research, I use I use a lot of Morningstar. Okay. Okay. And then the, there's a lot of categories across Morningstar. I look to see who holds the stock, how many, you know, if there's, and then I look at their cash flows. There's a lot of little uh, clicking things on there, but um, I I use a lot of Peter Lynch. It's my gut instinct, my gut feeling. And, and if it's a business I can understand. And uh, so that I can tell when they're not doing well as a business, not because, you know, all these balance sheets can be manipulated very easily. And there, there are lots of lots of stories about companies that manipulated a balance sheet, fooled investors. And then when the, the jig finally got up, uh, you know, the stock price crashed and. You know. Right. In terms of so, like, what kind of metrics we went over? PE, like fifty-two week high, institutional ownership. I guess what kind of things are we looking for? I'm looking for quarterly sales growth and annual sales growth at each quarter. Meaning, so your first quarter compared to your second quarter, your second quarter better be growing than your first quarter, and your second quarter better be growing bigger than the last year's second quarter. Okay. Okay. So I'm looking for I'm looking for sales growth. I'm looking for earnings growth, and it's got to match that PE. And if it if it is, it won't match the PE because this in this market will drive the price up higher. Because do you, do you look at the peg ratio? Do you look at the peg ratio at all? PE to growth ratio? No, no. no. I'm looking at sales and earnings and. Um, and then um, you know if it's a um, if it's a company that um, makes something, has an actual product that they're making and selling, um, you want to watch the um, debt levels for inventory because um, if they're growing, they're going to have to take on debt in order to build inventory to keep growing. If they don't take on debt or don't build inventory, you're going to get a sales slowdown and you're going to get a stock market a stock price stall. Or fall. Okay. That makes sense. So are we ready to move on then? Sorry. Yeah, hit me up with something. All right. I'll kick us off. So we were talking about a little bit at the end or in the last month's podcast about shipping companies and how they're killing it. Uh, so I focused some research around 
some shippers right now, and I landed on a pretty, I mean, it's not new in terms of like how long it's been a business, but it's pretty new to the market. The ticker is ZIM. I don't really know the uh, name of the company. I just know the ticker is ZIM. It's a shipping company. Currently, well, their market cap when I wrote it down was $9.6 billion, but I think it's above 10 now over the past week. Uh, they have a P.E. ratio of 2, but I think when looking at shipping companies, you have to look at their price-to-book ratio, and it's an asset-driven business, so I'm not sure that's uh, a fair assessment there. Um, their 52-week uh, range is different from what I wrote down because they've been going like crazy, but they're, I think they're at it now of like about $90. And last year at this time, they were at $22. So we've seen a lot of price increase. They have a huge dividend. They just announced a $17 per share dividend for this next uh, ex-dividend date of March 23rd. And what they are is they're, they're based in Israel. They uh, ship reefer containers, cars, and uh, other various large cargo like that. Uh, their earnings per share is $39 a share. And... Overall, I think the shipping, my pitch is the shipping business is killing it. They're making money and uh, they have a huge dividend with a ton of price appreciation. That's my, that's my pitch. I know we talked about this one off the air, me and Big Todd did. So, cause I found it from my coworker earlier, a couple weeks ago. So got really excited about it. Okay. Uh, okay. And uh, all right, G, what do you got? Uh, we can stay on the um, shipping side of things. I also picked one company which we happen to work with. Uh, I don't know their financials or any inside information from that, but um, <laughs> just just you know, disclaimer, you know, no financial advice. Don't have inside information. Um, Expeditors International of Washington. Uh, the ticker is EXPD. EXPD. Right now, it's right now it's trading at one hundred and seven dollars a share. Their market cap is 17, just under $18 billion. And their 52 week range is $97.37 up to $137.80. Um, the reason I picked this is largely due to the changes. Most, they're the fifth largest broker, um, custom, they do customs. So they don't ship things, but they handle all the paperwork for things that do get shipped. Okay. Um, they specifically handle a lot of customs shipping so um oh we have a product placement uh, <laughs> um their their big thing to, is um, international trade right yeah yep and one of the big things that's happening um at least within my industry is mexico has been changing their shipping terms um they want to be more compliant with what's used in the u.s and canada so they're becoming a lot stricter and as a larger company they should have a better handle on this than the smaller companies and i think we'll see a lot of volume shift to the bigger companies and part of why their stock is so low right now is they had a cybersecurity attack happen and um it hasn't been very good for their stock obviously because they were concerned but they've been back up and running for the past two weeks now in operations and have gotten a lot smoother again so i felt like it's a it's undervalued for the time being and then with the future changes in customs, they should continue to move ahead. Um, 
their revenue has obviously uh, increased quarter over quarter. Um, but their earnings have not increased at the same rate, largely uh, due to recent events and um, costs of shipping and, you know, clearing everything has increased as well as we, you know, the, the fund supply chain. Okay. You got what, that one written down? You got them written down, Big Todd? Yep, so far. Is that, is that all that you guys are going to give me? No, I got I got another pick here. Yeah, we're uh, taking turns. Yeah, we're taking turns. Uh, so we got IQV. That's the ticker, Equivia Holdings. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about this one before. It's got a market cap of $41 billion. So on the larger side of uh, companies that I was trying to focus research, but I still think it's under in the mid cap. I'm not sure where the cutoffs are. So what they do is they are a data source and supplier of clinical trial uh like customer or like patient like trial sets so they can so basically like a company a biotech wants to set up clinical trials they would outsource to iqv to basically run the clinical trials for them because uh they have all the information on like different patients that would be able to qualify for these clinical trials their pe ratio is 43 so a little bit inflated right now with an earnings per share of around five, earnings per share around five, and their 52-week range is 184 uh, to 285. It's currently the last close; it was 227, so it's trading like in the middle of that range. Uh, their earnings per their earnings has been growing about 20% uh, per quarter around that. I, I believe um, maybe a little higher there. I remember looking at this, this is a little outdated, but last June, the last, June, 2020 to June, 2021, they grew by their earnings grew by 87%. So I think it's been slowing down since a little bit as it becomes more mature, but it, overall it's kind of large and it's a high growth. And I think the biotech sphere is going to be more and more to centralized uh, clinical trials because clinical trials are the, I guess, bottleneck to most uh, biotechs. Okay. What do you got, G? All right. Um, it's a, a, a big one um, in terms of size. I picked one of the older companies out there, the Triple M. Oh, I picked got a 3M. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And I, I picked it. Um, I was looking at the charts and how their earnings have done over the past year, and they have been decreasing on their earnings for every quarter, but they're still very well profitable, and they're very low in the range. Um, so their 52-week range is $140 to $209, and we're currently sitting at $148. And um, from my research, 3M doesn't really invent the wheel, or reinvent the wheel, but they're extremely good at their company their competitors out and then um, using those innovative products to boost themselves um, like I said, uh, the market cap I don't think I covered it it's 85 billion uh, PE is just under 15 and then the EPS diluted is I think it's just over two, it's 10.12 okay 
I know so, that company very well. Yeah, <laughs> I felt like it would be more of a core holdings play, and I just I think it's at a good sure. buy price currently. So that was that was more of my thinking with this one. Okay. All right. Is that all we got then for this? I got one more. Basically, has one more. I always got oh, one, one more. more. I always yeah. got one more, and I think this is. This is on the more speculative side, but I think it's really underrated right now. Coinbase at a market cap of forty billion and a PE of ten, with an earnings per share of fourteen and a half. I'm a big believer in cryptocurrency, and I think we're right at the cusp of massive adoption worldwide. And I think symbol on that coin. Yes, yep. simple as coin. So. In terms of my thesis for this pick is I think they are the biggest in the space. And when adoption becomes mainstream, there's going to be anybody that doesn't know that much about crypto and isn't an internet person is going to go to Coinbase for their crypto needs. And a PE ratio of 10.5 does not justify the amount of growth and expansion that can happen to crypto and I think we're getting ready for another big crypto bull run coming soon. So buy now, get ready for Bitcoin to go to the moon and send Coinbase with it. Is my hold thinking. on to your hats. The wind is yeah. going to blow. Yeah. Bailey's so, out here in the wild west. So I'm a big investor in crypto and I know Coinbase was the first uh, brokerage I used due to ease of access. And I know that's going to be true for a lot of people trying to get into crypto. Or and is already really true, and they're bringing in tons of money already, and they are just adding to the the NFT space, which is brand new and really hard to get into. But Coinbase will be another ease of access into that avenue. Overall, I think there's a lot of revenue growth potential there. Okay, that's that's the picks. So you got some more. We got some more research to do. And more, uh, uh, G and I will come back for the Detroit. next time. No. Being ready for, uh, hey, one, sorry. We'll be ready for next month's picks and we'll be ready to track hey, Shopify's success now that's been added to the Rad Life portfolio. Okay. All right. Well, thanks guys for taking the time. Uh, we're going to sign out here. So thank you all. All right, G, good luck. Safe travel. Thanks. Yeah, apparently it was at the wrong gate. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, don't let that happen twice. <laughs> don't yeah. miss the flight. <laughs> yeah, I won't. Uh, all right. Yeah, thank, thank you for having me. Appreciate yeah. it, as always. Um, make sure you charge Dallas Airport for the product placement. I will charge them handsomely. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Big Todd. Mr. Big Todd for the, uh, the valuable lessons, and we'll continue to learn and improve on our picks. Well, you guys did well. <laughs> just nothing that I would have picked. But... <laughs> All righty, man. All right. Goodbye. All right, dude. See Hello, and welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Rad Life Podcast with your host, Austin. I'm really excited to bring you this episode. This is the second installment of the Rad Life Portfolio featuring Big Todd, the expert investor, and Austin G, the other newbie investor alongside me. We got A Squared Investing Pair, 
coming up with research ideas and building a portfolio together. This has been my favorite series to make so far. I really like talking about the stock market and learning from Big Todd. Uh, In this episode, we kind of cover just the topic of taking profits and get a little bit of seasoned experience, some advice on that topic. And we go over the first pick of the Rad Life portfolio and the first installment of what we're going to be tracking for the purposes of trying to see if we can beat the market with our picks. And then G and I then propose uh, five new ideas for him to go home, for Big Todd to go home and research and come at us with the second installment. Uh, this has been, uh, I think, one of my better series ideas, and I hope that you find it just as useful. Uh, G was at an airport, so I apologize if the audio is a little bit bad, but I think we did a pretty good job improving it and uh, having a little bit of fun with it. So, um, with that being said, uh, follow me on Twitter at RadLife Spotify and follow my art collection. I'm the founder of an NFT project, so at OpenSea.io at RadLife Engineer. Uh, you know, NFTs are the next big next big thing, so get that spread around too. Uh, so <laughs> tell your friends, give a five star rating on Spotify, and then we'll jump right into this conversation. Uh, See you there.